0: All right, you're watching episode three of the Andy McMillan podcast, and this is the first college edition. I want you to take a second. Welcome, my friend Michael Sutherland, who's joining me. He's a senior at the Southwestern Assemblies of God University
1: in Waxahachie, Texas. How about you, Michael? How you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm real excited to be here. I'm really excited to get everything going, uh, to kind of dive deeper into the Word, but also just kind of catch up and over over here in Waxahachie, Texas. Yeah. So,
0: um, Michael's an RA there. And what what dorm room are you? What dorm are you in? What are you the RA of? It's in teeter. I'm on the first floor with eight, eight guys, man. I fully expect all of the eight guys to be subscribers to
1: this podcast before the end of this episode. I will convince all of them to subscribe and I will try to give them fines if they don't.
0: (laughs) Yes. Give them, give them fines, give them COVID, give them COVID-19 somehow. Oh, I guess that's something else everybody could know about you is you're a COVID survivor. I'm
1: a statistic.
0: Yes. So Michael is, is um, coming in today to, to talk to us a little bit about unity in the body of Christ. And uh, if you've been watching the other episodes of this podcast, you know that we're here to talk about life. We're here to talk about the Bible, and we're also here to talk about healthy relationships. And today, uh, Michael's got some great thoughts around the concept or the discussion of unity inside the body of Christ. Michael, take it away.
1: Yeah, so we're just going to be going right in. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, starting with verse 12, and this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, specifically about unity and also about diversity. He's trying to get rid of division, but we're going to go straight into it. We're going to start at verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has Put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. Every part rejoices in it. I really, love, uh, I really love just like this part of this chapter. Um, it definitely is like Paul just kind of reaching out, talking about how as Christ followers, uh, no matter who we are, we really should all be united because of one cause. And I think I, I love the beginning part. And the very beginning part is it talks about no matter who we are, we all belong to the body of Christ. We're all we're all apart, no matter if you're an eye, no matter if you're an ear. He uses that kind of symbolism and that imagery. But it doesn't matter who you are. We all belong. If you go at the very beginning for, uh, at, uh, it starts in like verse 15 and 16. He talks about if a foot should say, just because I don't belong to the body doesn't mean that it stops being a part of the body. And just as an ear would say, I don't belong to the body, doesn't mean that they stop being along to the body. And I think it's something that in churches, Today and ministry today, we should really be resembling this idea, and we should really presenting this idea to others that you belong. You belong. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your hobbies. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what uh, social class you're in. None of that matters. But as long as you are a Christ follower, you belong to the body of Christ.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, that's such a, a important truth in this season that we're in. Um, the the climate has never been more tense. Uh, in my lifetime, and I'm sure in most people's lifetime, than it is right now. And when you look at just the political climate alone, I mean, th- you could talk about a lot of things, how people feel about race issues, but just the political climate alone is intense. Um, I-, I was talking with a friend today, actually, and he said, you know, I shared a personal political view uh, that that's not an uncommon political view, and and has no moral or ethic to it. It was just a Kind of on the side note, uh, with a with a couple of friends that he had known for several years, and he told me he said once uh, once I shared that political view, I started getting phone calls. He told me from a few different people wanting to know if I'd like walked away from the faith and became this other person. And the the thing that he shared, the belief that he shared uh, was had no uh, biblical really a, like concrete issue. Like it wasn't like biblical versus unbiblical. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a personal opinion. But because of that, somebody took that and said, well, that must mean that you're in this political camp. And that means that you're probably walking away from the faith, which is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, we we live in a time where we look at people and we say, well, if you if you function this way or you think this way, um, then maybe maybe you're not a part of the faith. But what we see in this passage is God uses everybody in different ways to make up the body. And when it comes to issues like politics and how we feel about those things, one view may have a greater focus on um, the, the mercy and the grace and the benevolence of God versus, versus another. And they're not right or wrong or biblical or unbiblical. They are just different parts. Of
1: the body of Christ. Different parts of the body of Christ. And I think it's something that we should really be trying to to, to focus on. I I know there's a lot of uh, Christians, I've been to a lot of churches across America and sometimes you go to certain churches you go to certain places and it's almost like you look around and everybody is like the same. It's almost like everybody's kind of the same person they all have the same political beliefs they all have, everything kind of looks the same. And that's not what unity is all about. That's not what it's all about. It should be about diversity within in unity. So it shouldn't matter no matter what political opinions are because we're all Christ followers and we should be able to keep everybody and we should also be able to celebrate everybody that is within that. Same unity, that same community of Christ followers. It goes on to talk about through verses 22 through uh, 24, and he's talking about how there's certain parts of the body that may seem weaker, but but we treat them with with, with special modesty. There's different parts of the body that may look uh, what is this area? It's like less honorable, but we treat them with special honor. As no matter who you are in the church, no matter who you are in the body of Christ, it is important that as a whole unit, one together, we are celebrating those around us. We're celebrating those together. We're celebrating as one whole unit uh, all together. And I really love this. There's the last last verse that I kind of said right here, and it's this one. This is my favorite verse of the whole thing. And it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. It's almost like you think of your your best friend or or the friendship that, that really means a lot to you. And within that best friendship, it's not all based around uh, happy and good memories. Of course, you have the fun moments or whatever that you have with maybe sleepovers when you were growing up or maybe a, a, a something that you did that was stupid a long time ago that you always talk about anytime you get together. But the moment that really breeds a good, strong relationship is the moment of suffering. It's a moment of suffering. And it doesn't say that as when somebody suffers that you have to be there to fix it. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as Christ followers that when somebody is hurting, we have to do everything in our power to try to fix them. But instead, what if we took time to just suffer with them? See, as Christ followers, what does he tell us to do? He tells us to go and love others. And actually, Pastor John Mark Comer, he's actually in uh, Portland, Oregon with you, Andy. And he writes this in his book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he talks about how love is such an anti-American idea because it takes up so much time. It takes up so much time. Because loving somebody, it means that you have to take a part of your schedule and truly go out there and love them. And this is exactly what Paul's talking about. He's talking about, you know, when one part's honored, we rejoice with them. When someone when one part gets something good or they do a good thing, we get to rejoice with them. But at the same time, when one part suffers, we have to take time to suffer with them as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think that I think that one of the things that we actually miss out on uh, when we don't actually get to know people that are different than us is the humanity that comes in getting to knowing somebody else. And I think that for at least for me, and I, and I would assume for most people, that the less we know about a person individually, the more judgmental uh, we are with them, especially when we see that they view things differently than us. But the more we know people, the more grace and mercy we personally carry for those people in our life. And I mean, this is a big, important issue because the the more I spend time with somebody, the more I love them, the more grace I have for them, despite um, moral issues we may disagree on, despite political views we may disagree on or, or anything else for that matter. And I, I want to be clear, there are political things and moral things that are clear in scripture. And what we're saying is, even, even when we have somebody that has a view that even may be unbiblical or wrong, we should still be able to value them as a part of the family of God. And there, there are people that are going to have issues, uh, in, or th- there are people that are gonna have conflict that you can't settle. There are people that are going to have unbiblical views in our communities of faith. And if our if if we feel like our job is to not be in community with people until we feel like they are right a hundred percent in their doctrine before we let them into our family, we're not gonna have anybody like in our family. Because I can I can say that you know, if you and I as close as we've been, and the fact that I've had the opportunity to be a part of your discipleship process, if we spent time together long enough, we'd find issues that we disagreed on, probably. In scripture, but those things shouldn't keep us from uh, being in relationship with each other, they're, they're just differences, and we need to understand that there are going to be people in our lives that we think differently than, and we can actually open the Bible up and prove that they are wrong. But that doesn't mean we choose not to be in relationship with them, that doesn't mean we, we choose not to love those people. It means that we choose to love them despite that. And maybe if we have a conviction about it, we we make it a matter of prayer to say, God, change this person's heart. Maybe the solution to changing them is being the person that prays for them, not tries to
1: convince them that they're wrong. Exactly, I think there's definitely a stigma around Christianity or what people think what Christianity is. And it's almost like that street preacher kind of thing where all that we do is tell people um, all that we do is tell people and say, Oh, well, well, this is what's wrong in your life. You're an evil, you're, you're a hateful person. You're this, oh, you think this, how dare you think that, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, it's not even about that. Of course, it's important that, you know, we talk about repentance. Of course, we're going to talk about, you know, hell's a real thing and that we need to talk about it. But at the same time, you can't be doing that and not emphasize God's grace. You can't do that and not emphasize how good God's grace is because all of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned in life. But God's grace is big enough to cover all of that. So why would we kind of completely, we, we want to talk about the gospel but we completely ignore the fact that it's good news and not all of it's just bad news. It's not all the bad news. Of course, we deserve hell for the things that we've done, but the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for us so we can have a relationship with him that so we can go and spend eternity with him. And what Paul's talking about, he's talking about how we should be united, not in our political ideas. We shouldn't be united in what race we are. We shouldn't be united in whatever class we're in, but we are united in Christ. The whole point of it is being united in Christ, united because we are Christ followers, being united not through something that is imperfect, but uniting through something, someone who is perfect. We're being united in someone who's perfect, and that's what makes the unity good. That's what makes the unity strong because it's not going to change. Instead, it is something that is perfect. It is something that is forever. So what do we do with this? You know, so we have this idea of suffering, of, of honoring somebody, and it's about spending time with people. It's about going out and actually getting to know people. It's about spending time with coffee. It's about spending time uh, eating lunch or eating dinner or whatever it may be, but it's about spending time of your day to actually get to know somebody. It's almost like uh, I tell this, I'm, a, I'm an RA at SAGU, so I get to do Hall Devos every once in a while, and I kind of tell my guys, it's, it's not about having that what's up kind of love. I know like in college and high school with a lot of guy relationships, it's almost like you walk past each other in a hallway or you walk past each other on the street and you kind of give each other like the yo what's up or like hey how's it going good how's it going good And that's not what love is. Loving somebody is actually sitting down and talking with them about how their life's going. It's about actually taking time out of your day to show them that you love them more than just saying, I love you. It's about taking time to do that. And maybe this is something that for uh, whoever's listening, it might be something for you. Maybe you've been thinking about somebody while this has been going on. Maybe you've been thinking about somebody, oh, well, I need to be able to, I need to really reach out to this person. And you need to find time to do that. It's important to find time to do that and not just send them a text saying, hey, I'm thinking and praying of you because anybody could send a text and do that. But What if you actually said, hey, we need to go meet up and I want to talk to you and I want to really get to know you because I love you more than just a text or I love you more than just saying, hey, how's it going every once in a while? It's about really showing that we want to be united in Christ together and spending time doing that.
0: You know what's funny is you mentioned a second ago, I, like just saying "I love you, man." And one of the things that I've I've really worked on in the last couple of years is being intentional with those words uh, in relationships and in in deep relationships that I have. But I can't tell you how many grown men uh, get real uncomfortable. Like I'll sit on a phone and talk with them for an hour once a month. And it's like a regular thing, people that I keep up with. But I look at them on FaceTime or just say over the phone, hey, man, I love you. Talk to you later. And I can't tell you how, like, I don't know what to do with my hands kind of an attitude people have with that. And, and look, I get it. We weren't all raised in homes where uh, those were normal, healthy terms. And in, in some homes, it was actually used as a weapon. And I understand that. But there's value uh, in people knowing, hey, look, I, I love you beyond like an inconvenience, and I love you beyond uh, the differences we may have. As a matter of fact, I love you because uh, we have differences, but we we also have among all of our differences a foundation that is consistent, and that is our love in Jesus, our relationship with Jesus, and that's that's such an important thing for people to be comfortable. Uh, not necessarily Look, I get it. If you don't want to say it, that's fine. But you should be comfortable knowing that hey, there's there's a person that you love deeply enough that you're gonna you're gonna love them past the things that you uh, disagree with. And you and you said it earlier. Also, it is about time. It's about getting to know those people, and you're not gonna get to know those people by drive by. How, how you doing? Just, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, Michael, that was really, really good. Well, we want to say thank you so much for being here today, man. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun having you, getting to catch up with you a little bit. Uh, hopefully, you will get some sleep in Texas. It's a little later in Texas than it is in uh, in Oregon, where I'm at. Now, I'm not from Oregon. I'm from the good South, Sweet Home Alabama, Roll Tide. Uh, but, um. Uh, you're in a completely different time zone. So thank you for hanging out with me late into the night. Uh, I know you've probably got some college students that you've got to, you know, make go to bed and all that kind of stuff. But thanks for being here. And thank you so much for watching the Andy McMillan podcast. If you like this content, if you enjoyed it, like the video, subscribe. Hey, if you didn't really like it that much, but it was like, okay, take a second like the video, subscribe, help us get our content to you easier. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in our next episode.